The Nuggets clean up Crypto.com Arena with a quick sweep. Jimmy Buckets calls timeout on Boston's championship hopes, and Carmelo officially hangs it up. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I've got the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Hey, man. Feeling good. Feeling kind of great. Let's get it. And in a little bit of morning, John, how are you this evening, sir? John, how you doing? Good to see you. One, two, three, Cancun. Join I'm us, right. won't you? I'm all right. Yes, <laughs> I'm joining you guys. Make sure, make sure to save me a seat right by the beach. That's that is true. All of our NBA teams in California now have a nice, cozy cabana. We are all in Cancun together, and with that, let's get started. Of course, the big news tonight, Monday night, the Denver Nuggets won Game Four, one thirteen, one eleven, completing a sweep of the LA Lakers. <laughs> Some highlights in this series, Jamal Murray was amazing, 32.5 points a game, 6 assists, and Nikola Jokic was announced as Western Conference MVP, averaging 28, 14.5 rebounds, and 11.8 assists. Absolutely incredible performance. So Nuggets have home court in the finals and have nine days off. So let's just let's look at game four to start and the series overall. John, do you want first or last take on, on this one? I'll, <laughs> I'll give you your choice this evening. I'll go last. You're I mean, last? I, I could talk. I could talk about this for a while, and I want to give JJ an opportunity. So I'll go last. All right. So JJ, what was your read tonight, uh, Game Four, with how this game played out, and just what did you think of how the series played out overall? Uh, first, we got to congratulate the winners, the Denver Nuggets. They pretty much had an easy path to the finals when you think about it. We kind of counted them out during the regular season. We doubted their defense. Um, even some people doubted Jokic um, if Murray would come back healthy. But th- this Lakers series really proved that they are a team that everyone should fear in the league. And wow, that duo of Murray and Jokic. I know we saw tidbits during the bubble, but. This iteration, this progression from two, three years ago, it's on a whole different level. Now, the Lakers, I got to give my props to Mr. James, LeBron James, coming through, scoring over 40 as someone that is 40 years old, Sammy. And I know we're going to get into it. Um, There are a lot of issues. A lot of things that I didn't like seeing on the Lakers, um, the coaching, the rotations, specifically AD and uh, D'Lo. But I don't know, as host, what do you think? Should we even head to the blame game yet? Uh, I mean, we could get there and I'm sure we will, especially yeah. when, uh, when John gives us his take. But I, I agree on both fronts. I mean with Denver, they really got a lot of disrespect all year. No one really thought that they were the favorite, even though they were basically the number one seed from what? Probably about a quarter of the way of the year through. And with the Lakers, man, they were left for dead after 12 games. And to end up here, I mean, if we look in hindsight at where they were in November and how the year finished, I know it's not the way that fans wanted to go out with how high the hopes got, but much respect to how they turned around this year. They also have a very clean cap sheet over the next few years, and they're set up for success. So got to give them credit in that way. So 
John, obviously this, this year was a roller coaster for you. So now it's a little early uh, for the repository, but where, where are you? Oh, I'm right dumping now. it all on you guys right now. I'm going <laughs> to spend the next 25 minutes maybe. But it, uh, no, I'm kidding. But in terms of the blame game, JJ, I think that's funny because I'm going to, I'm going to throw one out here real quick. I blame Ro. Zapanta, our host here. <laughs> and the reason why I blame him is because this is what happens when you're a fan of three teams in the NBA. You're a fan of the Warriors, the Blazers, and the Kings. This is what happens. The Warriors got eliminated, the, the Kings got eliminated, and the Blazers didn't even get the first pick for Wemby. So this is all on you, bro. This is what you get. All right, joke, jokes aside, you know, I'm honestly at peace with what happened here. I'm a little dis I'm disappointed, I'm not going to lie. But Sammy, for all the reasons that you said, I mean... Going into the season, the Lakers started 2-10. and 10. They had a 0.3% chance of making the playoffs. They revamped their team almost entirely, right? When you bring in four new guys, that's pretty much revamping your team. And they did it in February, right at the trade deadline. They had about three months to come together and see if they could make the playoffs. Not only did they make the playoffs, they made the Western Conference Finals. Disappointed they got swept, but to say that I was able to watch my team in three playoff series is something that I, I will, I'm grateful for, right? And I'm not going to be one of these Laker fans that is going to like do dumb threats on the players or sell a trade AD. Like there are a lot of deficiencies. There are a lot of things that the Lakers could have done better, but I'm not going to react. I'm not going to come up with these really quick reactions to a loss. I mean, I think the Lakers, like you said, Sammy, they have a lot to build on. They have a lot of cap flexibility more than anything. I know they don't have a lot of guys under contract. The only concern for me is LeBron's age, right? And he got injured. He was played phenomenal. The fact that he was able to do what he did in a, in a game, giving his all, I give him nothing but credit. He's one of the greatest players of all time, if not the best. And so for me, I appreciate that. Um, AD could have played better, but he, he played well defensively. And I just think, like, Denver was the better team, if we're just being honest. Like, if any Laker fan, you ask them, and any reasonable Laker fan, they'll tell you the reality is that the Denver was the better, better team top to bottom. And even if the Lakers were to win one or two games, I still think Denver would have come out on top. And so credit to them. Credit to Jokic for making these crazy Dirk Nowitzki looking like he's just throwing a, a basketball in a pond type shots and he made multiple shots like that you guys did you guys watch that how crazy was those yes. shots one legged they're nuts three i mean crazy, it, man. It, 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 like logic it defies all logic right that those shots should not go in no, no. they shouldn't but they somehow they, they do they somehow they do he's not even i mean like when you cock the ball behind your head how can you be that accurate and he's just switches the ball and doesn't touch the rim guys and so Jokic, he, i was in awe and there's nothing you could do and lebron did a post game but you got to tip your hat off and you know what man like denver was the best team in the western conference and so we'll see how they they they, they fare out in the finals but good luck to them man they beat us and uh the lakers have some decisions to make this offseason like some other teams but it'll be interesting to see sammy i think you're right i guess i have a question for you guys now I just kind of yeah i appreciate you guys listening to my rant here but what do you think like the Lakers should do do with D'Angelo Russell. And I know that there's talk about Rui and Reeves. Um, one of the things with D'Angelo Russell is that he, if they let him walk, right? Or if they, because I, I think from my understanding, and I, can't, I don't understand the CBA completely, but 
if they let him walk, it only is seven million or seven or eight million that they're freed up in cap space, and it wouldn't be like an entire contract that he he thinks he should get twenty twenty five million. And I think it has something to do with the CBA. So I'm wondering if it even makes sense to not sign him, right? Like that's from a money standpoint or a number standpoint, it doesn't seem like that makes sense. So I'm I'm with you on that. And just as a precursor to this, I'm someone who feels like I kind of understand the financials of different sports pretty well. I will freely say the NBA by far has the most complicated salary cap. It's a little ridiculous. And with the new CBA, it's just gonna get worse. But a lot of the NBA, because of exactly what you said, is turned into asset management. Like even if a player doesn't fit, you still almost have to sign him anyway because you want to be able to use him as a trade chip later. It's exactly what the Warriors ironically did with D'Angelo Russell a few years back when they lost KD. They signed him not because they thought he would fit. They knew he was going to fit. They shipped him out six months after they got him. And I think for what you said, you do have to sign him. Now, the big thing to me about it, though, is if you sign him for four years, because obviously he's going to look for a term, then he's not a trade asset anymore. It's going to have negative value on that contract. You have to be able to get him where a team is only committed to him for two years. Is that two years plus a club option? Is it something like that? Then I do agree you sign him. I, I have no idea what the annual value would look like. If I had to throw a number out there, I think it's between 20 and 25. But that's, I mean, all everyone's going to look at this series and obviously have a really bad taste. But he feels like to me he's a better regular season player, which is an obvious statement. I was thinking about this when we were talking about it before we went on. And I think his ideal role, and let me finish this because it's going to sound ridiculous is as a number one, but on number one on a team that just doesn't have crazy aspirations. So the team I had in mind, when I think of the best version of D'Lo, it was that Brooklyn team with no expectations. Remember that team? Yeah. Before they signed KD and Kyrie? Rick he was Atkinson. great on that team. Yeah, that team. Mm-hmm. There was no expectations. He actually got them to the playoffs. And I think it's because he was the primary ball handler. They didn't have expectations. There was no pressure on him. He was allowed to just play and control the flow of the game. So you wonder if they can get him on a contract where they can flip him to a team like that. Maybe that's the move. JJ, what do you think? Uh, well, with D'Lo, the issue is what is he going to sign for? Right? I mean, you you, you stated a number, I think you, you were saying like low 20s, hopefully? Yeah, yeah. See, the thing with D'Lo is we know that he has an ego, but an ego is a good thing at times. What John has going for the Lakers is that he wants to be a Laker. And maybe they could sign him for a discount. Now, he left a bad taste in my mouth. Definitely. He was the worst minus player on the Laker team. Bad shots. Terrible turnovers. And it's kind of like the Jordan Poole, Marcus Smart syndrome. Like, it wasn't just the bad shots. It was the bad shots at the worst time possible mm-hmm. during the games it would be mystery mystery turnover and then before you know it the lakers who had a 10 point lead would be now down by eight so yeah it he's just want, he's he's like pool like he's like pool that's a good point yeah. jj because well, when he's not scoring he becomes essentially useless yep so yeah, it's an it's an interesting question, and I mean it's it's even more so interesting to me because there are 
I would say probably four key players or interesting players that are going to be free agents and they all have to be addressed together and it's not in a vacuum. So with that, I think the big one, of course, is Austin Reeves. I'm sorry, John, you were going to say something? Well, I was going to say one thing about Russell that I want to get your thoughts on is that I I think the value, and Sammy, you mentioned this, is that Russell is a regular season player. And typically you wouldn't find a lot of value in that. But because LeBron is the age that he is, I think the Lakers would be able to maintain a record that would propel them into the playoffs by playing LeBron James minimal minutes, right? And I understand that there's that mm-hmm. there's that the the re, like then you have to think about the playoffs when Russell isn't as effective. But I think spelling LeBron of those heavy minutes in the regular season at this age is going to be more critical than ever moving forward. Yeah, you bring a good point, John, because what's the talk in La La Land? Bring in who? It would be. Your favorite player, Sammy's favorite The Prophet. The prophet. <laughs> Mr. The Mr. Sage. Yeah, Mr. Sage. It would be Kyrie Irving. And would you even be getting at least 62 games from Kyrie? I don't nope. think so. No. So maybe Russ is the answer, but we all want that player to perform in the playoffs. And that's like the tale of two tales, right? Like you want Russ that could deliver you regular season games or do you want the playoff experience of Kyrie Irving um, well Kyrie Irving would be able to do both if he were to he would be able to spell LeBron of minutes in the regular season and he would be able to come up clutch in the playoffs the problem is 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 he going to do that is he going to be able to do like I'm talking and Sammy's giving me this look but I'm talking strictly <laughs> from a player standpoint right like we, from a basketball standpoint his talent level he'd be able to do that I'm, I'm not saying anything off the court like his antics or not showing up for games. What I'm saying is that if all if all, if we ignore that fact, right, and just talk about Kyrie Irving, the basketball player, he's able to give LeBron a lot of break, like a lot of time on resting in the regular season because he's that good as a basketball player. And he's also probably going to perform in the playoffs. That's okay. obviously an ideal situation. All right. Well, here's the thing. I'm talking about on court because you got to parse out that 40 games a year he plays total very carefully if he's going to spell LeBron because he's only going to play half the season historically, right. 50 at most. So I get what you're saying though, and it's an interesting parallel because without going like too far off topic, funny you mentioned the name Russ because I was thinking the same thing. With, the Clippers have the exact same scenario where they know for a fact their top guy is going to play 50 games at most. They need someone in the regular season who can actually will play and can carry the team. So for that reason, I wouldn't mind them keeping Westbrook uh, because we know he'll play, if nothing else, especially in the regular season. So I completely get where you're coming from. And if you're comfortable spending that amount, maybe it was one game too late. But what they did tonight is they played him 15 minutes. Maybe what you do is re-sign him, play him in the regular season 30 minutes a game, and then play him in the playoffs like 20 minutes or less. If you're comfortable paying the price, maybe that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But to make that work also, Dennis Schroeder has to be willing to come back for less than $6 million. Because he's, I believe he's also a free agent. That one's going to be a very interesting question. So you have him, and then I know we spent a lot of time on this, but I do think we have to touch on Austin Reeves' contract because that one is going to be uh, probably the most pivotal of their free agents. He is clearly, I think you guys would both agree with me, the third best player on that team now. Yes. So 
because of the cap nonsense we just talked about the with the NBA, the Lakers can at most offer him four for 50, which he is going to get more than because other teams can offer him more if they have cap space. Other teams can offer him four years at a max of 98 million with an interesting quirk where his first two years, they can only give him roughly a four and a half percent raise. So the first years would be worth 12 or 13 million, which is what the Lakers can offer. Then in the third year, they can jump his number up to 36 or 37 million dollars. So obviously the only catch with this is teams with cap space. Uh, we mentioned a few teams uh, prior to coming on tonight. San Antonio came to mind. Utah came to mind. So, John, I want to start this one with you. Do the Lakers have to keep Austin Reeves no matter what the cost is? Yes, I think so. I think what I've seen from Reeves this postseason and this season, I know it's only one season, is more than just scoring the ball. Um, and I hear arguments of that he's, you know, he's just, if he doesn't, isn't able to score, then I don't, I don't believe that. I, I, those are probably just people that really are just NBA casuals, but the fact that he can do so many things, he's dynamic as a player, but more than anything, I think he has this hung, he passes the eye test for me. He has this hunger for the end love for the game where he wants to continue to improve. Like I, I would be shocked if Reeves is the type of player to get a bag and then have his game regress. And I'm sorry to say this in front of JJ, but Jordan Poole comes to mind. I just don't see Austin Reeves doing that. I think that he's going to continue to improve his game. And from what I've seen, he's a very intelligent player and he's under control and his, his game off the, he understands the game. And I think that's something that you cannot teach. You either get it or you don't. Um, and for me, I think that makes him an invaluable piece for the Lakers. And so I would I would be shocked. Not shocked, but I would strongly urge Genie Bus and Laker management to empty out the wallet for this guy because I think he's that he has the potential to be that good. JJ. Yeah, I mean you have to pay him. Look how you performed in the playoffs. I said on the last pod, I thought out of all of the Laker players, he had the most heart. And you can't, those are some of the intangibles that every coach, every fan wants to see in their players. Now, John brought up a great question, which is you're paying for a player and hopefully that they take the next jump. Jordan pulls a perfect example that the Warriors spent a lot of money because they thought that this man could be the bridge between the older generation, the core, and the rookies. And I see Austin Reeves being the same with AD, LeBron, and bridging the gap with the youth as well. Um, I do like Austin Reeves' game. I'm jealous of what he provides to the Lakers because I wish Jordan Poole did the same. And for $37 million though, it's a lot of money, but I think they have to do it. I personally don't think someone's going to offer him four for a hundred. I think that's, I think that's, that's a lot for somebody who's done it one year. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think his cap is going to be like four for 85 ish. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I don't know, but I, I feel think like that's 20... very wishful thinking personally, but you know, so I mean, enlighten us why you think 
The 37. I think range. that we forget until we get to July every year the stupidity of some of the teams that are in the NBA because True. they always max out dudes. So, so remember, remember some of the max contracts that have come out in the past when the cap has spiked. Um, no shade at these players because collect all your money, but that summer of Evan Turner and Mozgov and those players come to mind, they got max deals. I guess Reeves? my question, my question is the CBA then, Sammy. Like, yeah. how does the CBA p- play into this? Because it's it's newly constructed, newly agreed upon. Like, what are the penalties, right? Like, how many teams have the cap space to do that, and are they willing to put a stranglehold on their on building the you know f- f- building out the rest of their roster by offering this one guy this much money and then also like what are the penalties for going over the the cap space and all the luxury tax all of that stuff right so the big thing with these deals is that you mainly have to have the space in the upcoming year only to offer this deal so that's going to open this up a little bit but predominantly when you're offering a restricted contract you're looking at teams with a lot of young guys on the roster who can easily create the space and don't have to renounce a bunch of free agents. So that's going to take out most of your contenders. So that being said, I kept looking at San Antonio because San Antonio has no one highly paid. And of course, they have a game-changing franchise player coming in who could really use a playmaking guard. San Antonio, if you look at them right now, might not have the amount of cap space they need right away. I guarantee you they could clear it without a problem because they've got too many young guys on cheap deals. They can make it happen. So... They're there. Utah has a bunch of young guys with tradable contracts. It's basically like get off a couple contracts without having to renounce players and then make your move. Um, And then where it would kick in is year three, you're going over the cap and you're starting to pay the repeater taxes and those things, depending on how far you're capped out, which the Warriors and the Clippers know well. And that's when it really starts to uh, turn into something where you have to make some decisions. But the first two years, based on the structure, aren't going to be too hard to fit. Now, I agree with you. I think his cap should be 4 for 80. But a lot of these teams, we forget this, that the GMs just saw what we saw. They have some recency bias. And let's give much respect to Reeves, man. I'm looking at the numbers. This postseason, 17 points a game, 46% from the field, 44% from three. Five assists, five rebounds, roughly. And as the games got more meaningful, he got better. The last five games until tonight, he scored at least 20 in every game, was shooting almost 50% from deep. Like, this dude got better, which is crazy impressive considering that he's clearly never been in this kind of situation. And with D'Lo falling off, they needed someone to step into that spot, and he did it and then some. So I really think some team's going to look at that, especially I keep going back to the Spurs because they've got some decent guards, but I imagine them thinking of pairing him with Wembanyama and thinking that would be a good punch to start and with them it's like okay our number one guy is going to be making eight to nine million a year for the first few years so we can afford to overpay this dude that's a good point that that's where my thought process comes from you're just giving john ptsd from the no but they're just gonna match they're just gonna match oh well that i had to throw that in that was just fun (laughs) uh hey man we're still paying marcus morris 18 million a year this year i'm just gonna don't worry we all we've all done it we all have our those those things but I'm sure as we get into the actual offseason, we'll kind of do a breakdown of different teams. And before we get to free agency, we'll get there. So uh, we'll move on from that particular topic. But again, congrats to the Nuggets. Big ups to the Lakers, man. Clearly exceeded expectations this year. Gave their fans a great year. And we'll go from there into the Eastern Conference, where shockingly, the eight-seeded Miami Heat destroyed the Bucks in five. 
went through, took the Knicks out without much of a problem, and now are up 3-0 on the Celtics with a shocking 128-102 victory. And just to put this in perspective, Miami beat Boston in Game 3 by a bigger point differential than all four games combined of the Western Conference Finals. Just to put in perspective how big of a blowout that was. So in that game, Miami could not miss from deep. Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent were absolutely terrific in that game. I believe it was uh, Vincent who went off for 29 in that game and actually led all scorers. And they're the first eight seed to ever win a playoff game by more than 25 points. So let's start with Miami here. How do you think they're doing this? What's been the formula where they've taken out arguably the top title contender in Milwaukee and what many people thought was the number two title contender in Boston? John, let's start here with you on this one. What do you think is going on? Okay. So... Nobody here, and probably nobody here in the United States, thought that the Miami <laughs> Heat were going to be one game away from the NBA Finals, right? I mean, absolutely. If we took a poll of everybody in the country, it'd probably be 0.001 percent, and they'd all and they'd be Miami, Miami Heat fans. Exactly. Yes. And so, <laughs> like, what they're doing is unprecedented. What they're doing is amazing, and I love it. I mean, like Jimmy Butler. He is the no hard nose, no nonsense, like dog in him that I love. I love Jimmy Butler. He is like one of the lost arts in the mid range. He has one of the lost arts in the mid range, and he just has that fight and that nastiness about him as an NBA player that you love to see, old school style. So what I think, what do I think is going on here, Sammy? I think Eric Spolstra has a knack for getting the most out of his players giving them the confidence to do things that you would never expect and he makes adjustments as a coach he's doing he's hitting all the right buttons and the heat are are firing on all of the right cylinders and some of it may be some of these role players are on their contract year and so they have a lot more motivation maybe it's 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 a part of spolstra giving them the confidence in the playing time, telling them that they're as good as Jimmy Butler and good as Bam Adebayo. Obviously, that's not true. But having instilling that confidence in players is making them play at a level that you would never probably think of. Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Kevin Love coming back from the dead here. He's, what is he, like 47? Okay, I'm kidding. But Kevin Love, I mean, you got Bam Adebayo who owns the Celtics like year after year. You got obviously at the head of the snake, Jimmy Butler. I mean, they just feel like a team that's, tell me I'm wrong. Do they feel like a team of destiny? Like I get the Nuggets are, they may be the best talented team, but I would not count out. And I'm not saying that the Miami Heat, because they're not in the finals yet, but I would not count them out to win it all. I, I don't think that like, I think we need to stop doing that. The Miami Heat are for real. They have, they're not the most talented team, but what they're doing, you love to see. They're playing team basketball. They're making shots when it matters. They're they're playing hard. They're playing some of the best defense you'll see in these NBA playoffs. So I, I, I can't say enough about the Miami Heat, man. Like They are doing something that I, in a million years, would not think of seeing. An eighth seed, a team that was one game away, losing one game away from being out of the playoffs entirely and now they're here one game away from the nba finals man i can't say enough i want to i don't want to say too much because i want to leave you guys and get your guys thoughts but 
all I'll say is that it's amazing to see, man. I love it. JJ, your thoughts? You want me to go on the Heat or the Celtics right now? Let's, because... let's keep it on the Heat, and then the Celtics. Uh, we'll we'll start the Undertaker wrestling theme song, and we'll go from there. Let's let's, let's talk about the Heat for now. Yeah, with the Heat, when you have your role players come in and they know their role, and they do the things that they're supposed to do, the Heat exemplifies that mantra. You have like what you said, Max Drews. Scoring 10, beginning of the playoffs. People probably didn't even know this guy's name, right? You have uh, Vincent scoring 29. More points combined than Tatum and Brown, which we're probably going to have to talk about in a little bit. Yes. Okay. And let's just be frank. The Heat had the worst rated offense before the playoffs started. So how are they doing this? With determination, will, and their coach. Coach Bo is putting them in a position to win. Now, I don't like to, you know, blame coaches when they lose. I don't like to give coaches all of the props when they do win. This The, the game of basketball is a game of margins, especially during the playoffs. So everything helps. <laughs> But I really want to go off on the Celtics because when you lose by 26, that's not losing by a game of margins. That not That's just not on the coach. That's a whole team, coaching staff, organizational fail. It absolutely is. And you guys are right. I think you cannot overcredit the power of great coaching and the drive of a star when you put them together and just... You know what we haven't even mentioned? Tyler Hero has not been there since roughly game two of round one, I think it was. No Tyler and Hero, could, no Alotipo. Yeah, you could argue Hero, I don't think it's even an argument that he is their third best player, mm -hmm. uh, clearly. They've been without him, and somehow it's just the role players have stepped up every night, and obviously Jimmy was otherworldly in that Milwaukee series in particular. Uh, and then it just feels like kind of what was going on during the Laker run, a different role player every night would come up, make something happen. And you could just see in that game uh, yesterday, the game three of this series, just that they have a drive that Boston just does not right now. They're playing with such amazing symmetry and you just, you watch them play and you can't help but root for them. You can't help but root for them like the way John said, like if they win the championship at this point, I don't have, I'll be happy for either team at this point. Obviously I don't have a rooting interest. But you can't help but be happy for Jimmy if he gets there. And because their year this year was not great, we forget how much success this team has had since Butler's been there. They keep getting to the finals or the conference finals pretty much every year. This is a rematch from last year. And uh, no one really remembers that because Milwaukee, I believe, got knocked out in round two by Boston, if, I, if I'm recalling this correctly. And then Miami played uh, Boston in round three. So... You just, yeah, you can't help but root for them. And I did personally find Butler recalling and pulling the receipts on Al Horford from last year. Hilarious. If either of you remember what I'm talking about, the timeout. Yeah. Yeah. And then just one other thing about Miami that's interesting as nothing like amazing, just a coincidental fact is if Miami closes out tomorrow, they and Denver will have played the exact same number of games in the first three series. Five in round one. Oh, okay. Six in round two and four in round three. 
So just an interesting fact that both teams have been pretty dominant. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I personally just think at this point the series is over the, tomorrow. I think they close it out personally. So that being said, I agree. yeah, JJ, do you think they close it out tomorrow as well? Yeah, the game three of uh, the series, the Celtics, embarrassing, man. That was, it, it was embarrassing to watch. Yeah, so let, let's go into Boston now. So, so much blame could be thrown around. This team just clearly rolled over. So let's let's start wherever you guys want. Tatum, Brown, coaching. Let's let's who, go. With who this. takes the fall here? JJ, I know you have a lot to say here. Let, let's start with you here. What do you, what do you think? Where does the blame start to go here? Sammy and John, uh, I know it's easy to coach uh, to blame the coach, and we'll get there, but. I always say, who wins the championships? It's the superstars. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler has been the best player in the playoffs, arguably. Best player in the series, and he's showing that. If you have Tatum and Brown only scoring 26 in a game three, must win game three to shift the momentum, that that's not going to cut it, man. And you have these two players who don't even show like they want to play. That's what irritates me about the Celtics. Like, at least Robert Williams or Grant Williams, he'll talk trash and it's pretty embarrassing. Like, I know that we were clowning on Grant Williams game two for talking trash to Jimmy Butler, but dude, I'd rather have that than this low energy team Mm -hmm. in game three and not even try. That was just super embarrassing. You have Brown and Tatum trying to play hero ball. You have Marcus Smart trying to play hero ball. Like, even when they try to run a play, you'll see a pin down screen. What does Jalen Brown do? Oh, I'll just shoot a three. That was ridiculous. I saw that play too. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, it's just like over and over again. We saw this last year. Once they show like a little chink in the armor, they tend to fold when I say Mm -hmm. the Celtics. So... John, what do you think? Would you blame a lot? Would you put the majority of the blame on the superstars? Yeah, I I think I would. I mean, I I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think Jason Tatum hasn't scored in the fourth quarter of this series. Is wow, that no, that's correct. You're right. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He hasn't scored in the fourth quarter of this of three in three games. And as your best player, right? well documented that everyone calling you their best player like that can't happen that's just unacceptable um and so and we've talked about tatum's struggles in the playoffs in the postseason i mean he he turned tends to shrink at times i know he had that um, incredible game seven right to close out the last series but like at some point jj's right like the coach can make adjustments. The coach can put you guys, the guys in the position to win. So part of it goes on Missoula. And the fact that he said that he lost the locker room is not, <laughs> it's not ideal to say that, I think, as there's still one more game to play. To me, that I is agree. the nail in the coffin. I don't think, like, that. just, to me, that's just laying down and, and waving the white flag. I, I think the Heat are going to win handedly tomorrow. And... You know, a lot of questions about Boston. I mean, nobody who had their who had the Lakers and the Celtics getting swept on their bingo card this year. Not many people, I'm Crazy. sure. Right. Um, that was but yeah, man, they have they Jalen Brown does not seem like he's going to be a Celtic next year after the comments that we've heard in the last couple months. Um, 
Marcus Smart hasn't been playing well. Al Horford is is old. I mean, Derek White's having struggling in the series. I mean, and then Bam Adebayo is just having his way offensively and defensively, right? The Celtics don't have an answer for him either. And and the shooting, like Sammy said, they're just playing in sync. They're playing together. They're making shots when it counts. They're playing elite defense. This Heat team is for real, man. And um, I think that's part of it too. Like we, we talk about the Boston struggles. We talk about their deficiencies. And I know they shouldn't have gotten blown out in a playoff game like that in a critical game three, right? It should have been closer than that than that. And so that's disappointing to see that they gave up and that their effort was very lax. But I think we also need to credit the Heat for I think they're a tough matchup for the Celtics. I think they, they match up well individually as a team. They have an advantage on the coach. And so I think the Heat are just like, you got to give them credit where it's due. But Boston, for sure, disappointing game three at the very least. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I do think Missoula is clearly outclassed here. And it's it's obvious he's he's not ready for this form. But I don't quite have sympathy for him, but I get it. Because remember, this is a first-year head coach. Came in under very unexpected circumstances right before the season started. And really, they didn't have time uh, to pivot to someone more experienced, and it just got exposed at the worst possible time that this is someone without coaching experience. I am curious, assuming that we're all right and this is over tomorrow, I don't know if you can bring him back knowing that on the subject of Jalen Brown, that's obviously going to be one of the hottest topics of the offseason. With him qualifying for All-NBA, if they give him the max offer, which they have to, just based on asset management that we all talked about, unless they try to trade him first, which I can't see them doing, they're going to be paying Brown and Tatum combined over $100 million a year in the next couple of years. If you're doing that, you wow. better have a top-end coach so that you don't at least get outclassed on the X's and O's. And so for Missoula, does that mean that he moves back to a bench role? Does that mean they just outright replace him? I don't know. But you can't have a repeat of this performance. And then as much as I love Jason Tatum's game, I mean, I think I picked him as a dark horse MVP candidate to start the year. It just feels like in this mo- in these moments, I'm trying to find the way where to phrase this. He's almost too nice. He doesn't have that killer instinct that, that Butler has, that LeBron has, that, you know, Kobe and MJ had. <laughs> and it's just not there, you know, like he kind of... Could you imagine any of those dudes in the fourth quarter of the conference finals for one game, let alone three, not scoring? Hey man. It's it's insane. I know, I know, Sammy, I know John's gonna agree with me. You guys could stop me. I know I'm gonna come off as a jerk, but hey, this uh, Kobe mentality with all you suckers out there, Tatum, you got Booker, you guys gotta stop that. Especially with these weak-ass performances. Yeah, I'm it's like the... It. I mean, yeah, Booker has gotten knocked out by 30 in back-to-back game uh, playoff elimination games. Just t- I couldn't get over that stat that you mentioned, John. Like, it's the Eastern Conference Finals. You haven't scored in the fourth quarter? Yeah. That's... It's bewildering. It's bewildering, man. And then, like, not to bring it back to the Lakers, there's, like, like AD was like that, too super inconsistent and every other game playing well then just completely falling to me that's a mental thing 
right? We don't question Jason Tatum's talent, skill. Mm-hmm. We know he's one of the best ballers, like skill-wise. AD the same. They're all world talents. But to do that, to underperform in the fourth quarter when your team needs you the most, to underperform every other game when your team needs you the most, those are mental things. Right. And like, I don't know if it's this the day and age that we live in. Obviously, with social media and how more sensitive. People and players are, but like JJ's right. Back in the day with Kobe and MJ, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a proponent of like, ab- like mentally abusing people. But Kobe did that to Pau Gasol after 2008. He literally was like mentally abusing him to make him tougher. And what did he do? Gasol came back as a tougher player the following year and ended up being instrumental in winning two championships. Michael Jordan did it to Steve Kerr. He did it to almost every single player that he was teammates with and they became tougher. They became a championship team. Is it the most friendly? Is it the most like optics wise? Is it the best thing or does it make you feel good? No, but this is the NBA. This is the, these are, these are professional athletes. Like these are grown men. I think they'll be okay. Like to me, you have to be able to, in order to get tough physically or mentally, you have to go through those challenging moments right you have to be challenged and I, I feel like a lot of these players these days and age they're not they're not being challenged they're not being questioned they're not being i don't want to say made fun of or bullied but it's it's kind of like drawing that line sort of mm-hmm. right so i'm gonna leave this with one last question just because i can't help but think of, of of trades and of that sort of thing clearly there's a weird dynamic between brown and tatum right now so I just want to throw a hypothetical out. Don't have to get too far down the road, but it has been made very apparent that the Blazers are shopping the number three pick for immediate help. If you wanted to do a slight reset, if you were Boston, would you remotely consider the trade offer that has been rumored out there from Portland, which is Anthony Simons and the number three overall pick for Jalen Brown, nothing else involved? Either Would either of you consider that if you're Boston at the end of the season? Anthony Simons of the third pick. And the number three pick, which right now looks like it's going to be uh, the kid from Alabama or Scoot Henderson, most likely. I think Scoot's going number two, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know why Boston... Do you think Boston would do that? Well, because I don't if know. they know I'm that... I'm saying if they, if, if they want to do a reset, that gives you a, a number three pick. So Brandon Miller, most likely, who's a very good wing, who's going to be cost-controlled and then a very good guard in Anthony Simon. So it's just, if they feel like the chemistry is just not there and they have to make a change, is that potentially the best deal that they could get? So would you do it, I guess? Beyond would Boston do it, would you do it if you felt like something had to change in that locker room? No, I think you can get better for Jalen Brown. Okay. JJ? Well, I it was proven that you could get better for Jalen Brown. Well, not proven, but KD was in the talks last summer mm-hmm. and just makes you think maybe if the Celtics did say no to that trade, they should have. But that's not that's neither here or there anymore. So just a night. Just just a thought. So no go. You wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't do it if I was. You wouldn't do Celtics. it either. Yeah. I would consider it, and then what I would consider doing from there is taking that number three pick and trying to flip it with other contracts. So you get Simons, another potential star at the three spot with that three pick, and maybe doing that. This is again, if you feel like it's just not working and you have to make a move, going to be a very interesting off season in Boston. Assuming that tomorrow is the end of the season for them, 
with that, that's actually all the time we have for today. I want to thank you both for being on. JJ, thanks as always for being on, man. Hey, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you all. John, thanks for being with us, man. See you in Cancun. Thank you. We'll meet you there. We've already got your cabana saved next to ours. Yep. So that being said, I want to shout out our uh, our normal host, Ro, couldn't be with us tonight, and our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All-MBA. I'm Sammy Neighbor. This is The Clinic All-MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.